0: Today, I want to talk about the concept of buying your client's business and why you don't have to buy their business figuratively and literally. So you don't need to buy those sports tickets. You don't need to shop the market every time. You can add value and win clients and keep clients without spending your own hard-earned money. So I'm recording this because over the last week, I had two advisors, Talk to me about this one really difficult issue. One advisor said that she is always being asked for sports tickets. And every playoff season, you know, clients are now used to the fact that she will look for sports tickets, she will pay for sports tickets. And, you know, it's the Raptors season now and (laughs) Raptors are in the finals and she is having to spend her own money. Such as the fact that she is not making money off of this group anymore. I spoke to another advisor. This other advisor was saying that he was asked to pay for some software for their clients. Software that is part of the human resources experience. The cost of the software is more than the commission that the advisor makes. And, you know, it's really interesting because... We see this all the time. We see that carriers also do this too. Carriers feel as if they need to really undercut and buy the business, so to speak, to get the customer. I'm telling you, I know it's hard. You might not believe me, but at Ben & Plan, we have not been buying business. We have been quoting rates that are basically, you know, ASO, ASO type rates, which is cost plus, plus. And we do get business. And we keep business, or our advisors keep business. So I want to share actually some five practical on the ground sentences or tactics that I've seen used in practice when, and it has won over prospects. So I'm not talking about hypotheticals. I'm talking about cases where I've seen an AOR move or a client move their business because of one or two sentences. Um, And they largely relate to the contract. So let's jump in. The five things I want to talk about are one. Uh, life insurance ending at age 65 or 70. Two, disability wording. Uh, Three, taxable versus non-taxable benefits. So that also kind of intersects with disability or even mistakes, mistakes in plan administration. Four, auditing the entire plan. And five, funding options. So self-insurance versus full insurance. I'm going to speak as if I'm talking to uh, my eight-year-old Cousin. And please forgive me if it sounds like I'm dumbing it down too much. But, you know, it, although I grew up in this industry, it still took me three or four times to hear some of these concepts over and over and over again before I actually understood what I was doing. So, you know, eating humble pie here. So, number one, I once saw an advisor win an AOR because the advisor said, well, let me help you uh, look at your plan design and just make sure that it's appropriate and do a, a full plan audit. So they looked into it and they were, you know, reading the contract and reading all the little sentences of the schedule of benefits. And, you know, the owner didn't seem to care until the advisor picked up on one thing. And all they did was read out that, you know, did you know that your life insurance coverage drops by 50% at age 65 and ends at age 70? The owner said, I had no idea. My current broker never told me the advisor said, yeah. Is this a concern for you? And the owner said, yes, because I'm close in age and I had no idea that my insurance is going to be cut and I, I need a solution. So it was that something that simple where, you know, I'm not saying that that was the only thing that moved the business, but that was the straw that broke the camel's back. So the advisor, A, kept in touch with the prospect for several years um, in a calm, collected way. B, the advisor was knowledgeable. The advisor was persistent about going through all the planned documents, reading everything, and calling to light anything. When they had an opportunity to send it in front of the owner, you know, calling out anything that looked weird, but it was that piece that just struck a chord with the owner. So, you know, I just find that to be interesting. It's amazing how we take for granted what we know to be true. Like, you know, obviously in group life contracts, we know that they typically have an age reduction and they typically end at age 70, maybe 75. And, you know, we can't assume that, um, most people don't actually read what's in their booklets They think more about the big pieces, like well, when I went to the pharmacy, I think I had to pay some money, but I thought our plan was hundred percent. But now I'm too busy to even think about it. So that's number one. Number two, this is another sentence in the contract that I've seen work to move business. So the sentence was the fact that in the group long term disability contract, and this is very normal. There's nothing out of the ordinary with this contract. Um, They were with a carrier and the carrier said, if you are uh, disabled from your current occupation and you've lost income, then the plan pays. So something very simple. We know that with wage loss protection programs, um, meaning if you're sick and you can't work and you also have lost your income, the group long-term disability program is eligible to pay you money. But I think what many people don't realize is that owners of companies automatically might not be included in this definition of disability. I have personally seen owners on our block become disabled, get brain cancer or whatever, and the insurer says, we 100% acknowledge that you're disabled and we approve your claim and your benefits amount is zero dollars. And the reason is because, Mr. Owner of your company, you've not removed yourself off payroll. You have not lost income. So think of the term wage loss protection program. You have to lose your wages to get this insurance. Long-term disability is not critical illness. Critical illness says you're sick, you've got one of these items, here's some money long-term disability, and short-term for that matter, and employment insurance, and WSIB, all these quote-unquote wage loss protection programs protect you in case you've lost your wages. So if I'm the owner of a company and I get cancer, do you think I'm going to call payroll and say, hey payroll, take me off payroll please? No, you don't do that if you're the owner. That's not how they think. So what does that mean with group long-term disability? It means that you could be completely disabled. You could have been paying premiums for 20 years. But if you haven't shown that you've lost your wages, your employee income, not your dividends, not your bonus, (laughs) not your interest investment income, you are going to get $0 from your insurance carrier. So in this situation, the advisor, again, the advisor had built a good relationship with the prospect. They had met them four or five times, they had presented quotes, um, you know, they still weren't moving until the advisor opened up the physical book, highlighted the sentence that said, you, you know, long-term dis- disabilities is there in the event that you've lost your wages and then said to the owner, uh, you know, Ms. Smith, we'll call her Ms. Smith, you have been paying LTD premiums for 20 years And your advisor has never told you that you're not eligible to collect it that's it they move the group so owners of companies are actually there is a time when they're allowed to opt out of group long-term disability as long as that they can show that they've purchased an alternative disability income plan and that's really because as an owner if you can show that the owner has, you know, a different form of earnings whereby their, their earnings would just continue while they're in disability. Well, guess what? A group long-term disability contract is not designed for an owner. Remember, these are employee benefits packages. They are really designed for employees. They're designed for people who, when they get cancer, after they've exhausted their sick days, payroll will stop paying them if they don't come into work. That's a huge difference. Um, so, you know what, that's actually an opportunity to also introduce the owner to a long-term disability contract that makes more sense with them and that will most likely pay out when that comes through. Um, at Ben & we personally see that the Royal Bank RBC Insurance does a lot of good things with their, uh, you know, professional series. They call it 3A, 4A occupation type for business owners. So, you know, that's just a throwaway. You can go ahead and contact them. So that's number two. Number three, mistakes in plan administration. So benefit plan administration is one of the most boring things on the planet, and it's also the most important part of, of processing benefits. With taxable versus non-taxable benefits, it's very, very easy for even the large, more sophisticated clients, even ones that have multiple people you know in payroll and admin and finance, it's, it's still, Um, noticeable that these companies make mistakes in classifying how they are. Are they taxing employees on benefits or are they not taxing them? And that's okay. I mean, there's nothing wrong with making a mistake. That's why, um, you know, advisors exist. So a way that you can frame this question with your prospect is to ask okay, while we're auditing your plan, we're here to help understand if the taxation and taxability of your benefits is accurate, knowing that it's a really confusing part, but also knowing that if we don't really perfect this, then your employees could be told by the CRA, you owe more tax, and it will be clear that it's the employer's fault or the insurance company's fault that you owe more tax, and no one told me, and now I have fees and penalties to pay, and we all look embarrassed because of it. So... So question to prospect is, who pays for the life insurance? Is it employees or is it the employer? Who pays for long-term disability premiums, employees or the employer? So let's assume that your prospect actually doesn't know what the tax rules are. They might say, well, we as the employer pay for everything. We just do. Like We pay 100% of the premiums. So we don't charge our employees anything. And you could say, okay, let me look into your benefits booklet and see the taxability status of your long-term disability plan. So if the employer is paying for everything and in the plan it says that LTD is actually a non-taxable benefit, meaning that when somebody is disabled and they're collecting income from the insurance company, that money is not subject to taxes. Therefore, we've discovered a mistake. So this mistake can be corrected very easily. But the key is that if the current advisor did not follow up with the client consistently, you know, once a year is a good time to do it, to do a plan admin audit, to find out how are you still processing benefits? Are you charging people or not? That's an opportunity for you to go in and fix that mistake for the client, but also show that you're willing to roll up your sleeves, get into the details with them and help them fix this. So... You know, when I've seen clients move over things like this, they're often wondering, well, what else in my contract am I not aware of that could potentially come and hurt us? So that's number three. Number four is really generally conducting a larger plan audit. So even if you're not really sure what to look for, it really, really helps for you to read every part of the material and to ask questions of the insurer. Because chances are, if you don't understand something, I guarantee you that your client and definitely their employees don't understand it either. So go ahead and read their booklet, you know, read their booklet from start to finish two or three times, bring your ruler and your highlighter and sharpen your pencil and, you know, read through everything and anything that doesn't make sense. Make a note, call the insurer or, you know, call us. I mean, call anybody really and ask, I just need a few minutes. I just need to understand what this means. And so that plan audit can uncover so many things where you can go to the client and say, did you understand this and what this means? Um, you know, generic drugs is a huge example. A lot of people really don't understand that the plans cover generic drugs as a first line alternative, unless the plan allows for a doctor to override and say no substitution of the brand name drug. So, you know, if there's frustration, if people are saying, I thought my drug coverage was great. It says it covers hundred percent, but I had to pay $70 to the pharmacy. Well, you can sit down and explain, well, the $70 is because you were prescribed a brand name drug that cost a hundred dollars. Uh, your plan says that it's going to pay for generics. If your pharmacist didn't bother, or maybe didn't have time to tell you that we're out of generic, or maybe we don't bother to substitute whatever the reason is. And, you know, you're know you paying $70 because you chose the brand, but your plan only covers the generic. So that's a really, really easy fix where you yourself as the advisor can call their pharmacy, have a quick call with them to say, please just ensure that, these hey, it's a generic substitution plan. If there's a generic there, please offer that to them and see if they're able to substitute instead of the brand. Um, or there are these coupon cards now that exist, pharma's coming out with Uh, that help pay the difference. So there's rxhelp.ca and inovicares.ca. So you can print a whole bunch of, I call them coupon cards, where if your client absolutely wants the brand and they really don't want to pay the difference between the generic and the brand, uh, the drug maker can help subsidize that cost. So, um, so that's number four. Number five is funding options. So, Funding options, you know, you're looking at fully insured versus self-insured. And I think it's really interesting about uh, self-insuring short-term disability, because I find a lot of advisors seem to be comfortable with the fact that short-term disability is just, you know, an insured piece of their plan and thinking, well, it's there if you need it. But as somebody who grew up in understanding how these premiums are priced, I can tell you for a fact, it's an absolute fact, that short-term disability premiums are not priced the way typical insurance is. They are very much priced on a cost plus basis. They're priced as if, what were the claims over the last few years? Let's budget that, plus fees and taxes, plus a reserve, and add that in in the premium. I don't know if you believe me or not but you should really do the math you know look at a company that you have even if it's small uh you know are they paying thirty thousand a year in premiums for short-term disability well what were their claims over the last three years sometimes you might find that in one year there were zero claims the next year there was fifteen thousand dollars of claims because somebody was off for let's say you know 15 weeks and it's a thousand dollars a week as just a rough example and the next year there were zero claims so you know if somebody's paying 30 grand a year And over three years, they paid $90,000, but they only had $15,000 in claims. You know, do that repeatedly hundreds of times, which I've done, which we've done at Beneplan. And you'll see that actually if a group is large enough, um, they should be self-insuring their short term disability. So it's interesting to work with carriers. I find some carriers don't like that. Um, I mean, most carriers don't like it when you switch to to self-insuring anyways. Um, Some carriers will say well they have to be over 50 lives or you know if they do that Then we're going to add more premiums to the long-term disability benefit. I really don't like that I think you know if a client wants to just pay for the cost of their claims They should be entitled to do that. Otherwise, you're forcing them to just cancel short-term disability with the insurer um, move it either in-house which is dangerous because you don't want them to see medical information Or even get involved with adjudicating who's disabled and who's not that's very very dangerous. Or, you know, using an outsourced third-party adjudicating firm, Uh, and that's okay, too. It it just becomes less seamless. You know, if RBC is the long-term disability carrier and, you know, Beneplan is the short-term disability carrier, it's just nice to have everything under one shop. So, you know, talking to the client saying, did you know that if you were to self-insure your short-term disability benefit, everything would be the exact same? except you would have an extra $60,000 right now. And I I can do that for you. I can set that contract up. So I've also seen groups uh, listen to that and save a lot of money and get, be very grateful for that. So, so that's the, the story today. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us, talk to us at Beneplan or send us a text. Thank you.